So um, we're thinking about walking today. Walking as an embodied practice, as, as an intentional thing to do. You might sort of think it's an odd thing because we walk everywhere and uh, lots of you will walk to work or you walk the dog or, you, or whatever it might be. Um, and I'm not talking necessarily today about anything more than that. I just want us to think a bit more deeply about what walking actually is and why it's important to us. Because there's all kinds of evidence of the uh, lack of walking that we're doing as a nation. We're right there. We're one of the worst countries in the world for our average um, amount of footsteps that we take each day. I think we're somewhere around 4,000 footsteps. Um, and there are other countries across the world that are, that are in their... Uh, 20,000 footsteps as an, as an average. Um, so what does that do to us and why is walking significant? And I just want to kind of pose three areas to get you thinking. One is physiologically what it does for us. The other is sociologically and the other is a little bit of theologically what is uh, walking about. Physiologically, we're understanding more than ever the goodness of walking. I love walking. You know that. You know that I've got into it over the last sort of decade of my life. And certainly in lockdown, it has been my go-to thing. I've had a, a, a not a great week. And uh, it's been a week when I haven't been out the house very much and I haven't walked very much. Um, the week before was so much better. I, did, I, I walked more. And is it as simple as that? Well, some people think that it is. The profundity of walking, we're finding out more and more about because we're understanding it better, because we're understanding how our brains work better. And just let me nerd out for a moment or two, and then I'll be practical again. But some of the benefits that um, we're discovering through neuroscience of understanding our brains um, in ways that we haven't been able to up until now, in the last couple of decades. The advances of us understanding the brain and parts of it are like a muscle. The more that we use particular parts of the brain, the more that they expand. And one of the uh, most sort of ancient parts of our brain, in terms of its evolutionary development, um, is the part that's responsible for memory and for um, emotion and for motivation. And it's called the hippocampus. And it's a small part of the brain that plays this really important role around those three things in particular. And when we walk, that's the part of the brain, or that part of the brain, um, gets switched on and starts to work. Isn't that interesting that the part of our brain that begins to work when we walk is also the same part of the brain where we think about memory and motivation and emotion. And, um, so let's go up this way. Um, and the part of our brain that we're often in when you're sitting still at a desk or you're in a, an intense meeting actually is one of the more highly developed parts of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, the bit at the front of your brain, which it makes us smart, but it, and it's where we try and solve problems and it's where we do all kinds of complex things. So this more ancient part gets switched on and that part goes into... Um, a hypo, H-Y-P-O, not hypo, a sense of hypo, there's a phrase called transient hypofrontality, which basically means that that part of the brain begins to go to sleep, and the part that comes on is much more around your emotion, much more around your motives. And lots of people have uh, sort of spotted this. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish uh, philosopher and, and a genius, says this, listen to this, I think this is mind-blowing. Above all, do not lose your desire to walk. 
every day I walk myself into a state of well-being and walk away from illness. I have walked myself into my best thoughts and I know of no thought so burdensome that one cannot walk away from it. But by sitting still, and the more one sits still, the closer one comes to feeling ill. Thus, if one just keeps on walking, everything will be all right. That's Soren Kierkegaard. Can you disagree with him? If you just keep on walking, everything will be all right. I don't know if he wouldn't have had the insight even that we have, that's showing what's going on in our brains as we walk. But what we're learning is physiologically, we need to be people who are active, who are doing stuff. In fact, in great news for me, I also discovered this week that um, walking, you can, do, you can carry on doing and everything just gets stronger and better. Running uh, may have other benefits for you, but it's degenerative. It will eventually wear down the joints and stuff of your body, which walking does, which is why I will never run if I can possibly help it. Walking is giving all of those benefits, but in a much more sustainable, long-term way. And there's other evidence. As I stand here amongst these trees, they're giving off this substance, this thing called phytoncides, which is um, a substance which, which they're giving off to protect themselves from disease. But actually in humans, it releases um, hormones and other uh, chemicals in me. What's the right phrase? I can't think. But things like dopamine and cortisone, which are good for me and help de-stress me. And that... Uh, doesn't happen in the same way when we're running past things. The slower that we walk in the woods, the more this stuff benefits us. I need to move on. But there's all kinds of benefit to us in our physicality by walking. Another aspect that I want you to think about is the social aspect of walking. Sometimes that's not what a lot of the kind of people peddling health walks and everything else are focusing on. But it's a profound thing. What is it about walking there's been all of these protests recently. There's been protests uh, throughout the years over all of these kind of major things, major, major injustices in the world. Why do people stand shoulder to shoulder and walk? It's something about the unity of it. When I walk with somebody, I will inevitably fall into step with them. In fact, it's a very aggressive, antisocial thing to walk at a different speed than the person that you're supposed to be walking with. I'm sure all of you have uh, had an argument with somebody on holiday or whatever and find that one of the family is dragging back or one of the family is marching on ahead. It's their way of showing they're not very happy with you. And um, there's equally something that's the opposite of that that says, I'm going to walk at your pace and walk with you shoulder to shoulder. I've got a friend who's mentored and coached some quite powerful people for years now. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And he was telling me recently that he's taken all of his meetings, his clients that he's met with for years and years, all of them outdoors and he walks with them. And he finds that it's way more efficient, it gets to the point better, it's more profound, people are finding it more helpful, that sitting opposite someone coaching them uh, is, is just far less effective than getting out and doing that thing where both of your brains are using a different part of your brain and actually in terms of problem solving and aha moments and um, you know, it works when we're outdoors, when we're walking. My best sermons you've never heard because they happen when I switch off and I've got the dog and I wander through the woods and I have the most profound thoughts uh, in those moments. I have the most uh, revealing stuff about myself. There's something uh, uh, very um, 
vulnerable about being on your own and walking because uh, there isn't a task to do other than this task of walking. Actually, the walking itself is quite a complex thing. We don't think of it as a complex thing, but the part of your brain that's, that's make, helping you to walk is doing a lot of work, and um, that work has this byproduct of it helping us to solve problems. Sociologically, walking with other people is a profound and beautiful thing to do. I wonder who you uh, might walk with regularly. I wonder whether you meet up for, in a coffee shop with somebody and you might suggest, hey, maybe we should walk together. Certainly in lockdown, as it's beginning to be lifted, uh, I'm meeting people and walking with them and finding that's just such a good thing. I hope that I go back more and more to meeting with people and walking with them because I think it's more helpful. And this final thing, what about God? What does he think about walking? Well, God knows how to walk on the earth. might sound like a stupid thing to say, but he knows what it's like to walk because in Jesus he walked. When uh, God revealed himself in Christ in this human body, Jesus travelled everywhere at the speed of walking, and the average speed of walking being three miles an hour. So God walked the earth three miles an hour. There's a Japanese theologian called Kasuke Kiyama who wrote a very influential book in 1979 called The Three Mile Per Hour God where he talked about the incarnation of God travelling at three miles an hour and then he makes this claim that he says that when the resurrected body of Christ ascended to heaven there's nothing to persuade me that he's now moving any faster. Isn't that a beautiful, profound thought? That God himself has a speed, that love has a speed three miles an hour, that it's the pace that we're meant to go at. And so many of us are trying to do life and relationships at a great pace when actually doing everything at a slower pace, doing everything at the, the pace that we were meant to, is much, much better for us, including our relationship with God. Allowing ourselves to be seen by God, of walking with him. I regularly will go on a walk and have the thought, right, I want to walk with Jesus today. And the first thought that comes to me is that I'm going to need to slow down if I want to do that. I just can't see Jesus tramping off ahead of me. Actually, I'm going to have to slow down in order to fall into step with him. Let me read you this quote from Koyama. He says this, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is lord over all other speeds, since it's the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. Um, that's mind-blowing to me. It's the speed of God and God is love, so therefore it's the speed of love. There's something about the plodding on that's just the most profound metaphor, but also the most profound exercise that we can do, I think, that reminds us that we are just walking on in the in uh, grace of God, at the pace of God. And when we do it with other people, that seems to be this kind of loving act that connects us together. So this week, or the coming weeks, could I challenge you, if you're able to, to find some space to walk? It might be that you're going, Dave, I've got to walk. I walk into work every day. Well, within that walk, can you see it as a three mile an hour walk and conversation with a God who is travelling at that speed with you?
is there somebody who you would like to hang out with? Could you suggest to them, why don't we walk together? And as we walk, let's be aware that we are travelling at the pace of God with us. Walking is good for us physiologically. It's good for us socially. And I think it's really good for our everyday walk with Christ as he sees us and we see him. Walk. Walk together and walk with God. Thanks so much.